Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went to tell Jesus. Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice came for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death that he was to die. The word of God for the world. So I have heard some preachers say that they get nervous when they preach uh, in front of other preachers. But today's topic being about uh, seeds, I am more nervous about preaching in front of our botanist, Herb. Um, so um, with that in mind, uh, talking about seeds and planting and, and growing and, um, and all that is, is behind that and the, the science that draws us to a deeper understanding. And so as we think about these this scripture reading is in as we continue along our Lenten journey, let us do so in thoughtful prayer. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I've been preparing the soil in our yard. I got a rototiller. I cleared away a bunch of brush and have been tilling 
the spot where I'm going to be uh, doing our, our garden. And for the last few years, Mary and I have had a garden and we've been saving our seeds. So we've been uh, choosing the, the fruit, the, uh, whether it's tomato or squash, the one that is the largest or of good quality and saving the seeds from that that we will then be planting. So we have uh, the seeds and now I'm getting the, the soil ready. But before I get too much into this metaphor of seeds and planting, I want us to look at the context. So this is within our Lenten journey, which began at Ash Wednesday, where we were reminded of our mortality and marked with ashes with the words, from dust we came to dust we shall return. And our reading this morning moves us along that journey and prepares us for the holy week ahead. Again, we are reminded of the impermanence of life on earth, while at the same time called to remember that death does not have the final word. Now Jesus illustrates this with that statement, saying, Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now this took place in the days leading up to the festival of Passover, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. Uh, now, this is leading up to it. And they, on their way, visited Mary and Martha, where they were mourning the death of their brother, Lazarus. And it is then where Jesus raises Lazarus, and the word of his actions begin to spread. Now, we're told then that six days before the Passover, they returned to Bethany, which is where Lazarus, Mary, Martha lived. And Jesus was having dinner with them. And it is there where Mary anointed Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, the next day, that is when the crowds lined up with the palm branches. So we'll be reading that next week, but within the context of John, it preceded our uh, story today. So the, palm, uh, the entry into Jerusalem with the waving of the palm branches was in John's sequence before this. So they, the crowds lined the streets and they waved the palm branches and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now people journeyed from distant places to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. Now we're told that among the, these uh, pilgrims were some Greeks. Now the unnamed Greeks were seekers of truth. And they approached Philip with the request to see Jesus. Now, perhaps it was on account of Philip's Greek name, 
or that he came from Bethsaida, which is an interesting detail that is included, uh, which is up by the north of the Sea of Galilee, which borders uh, Gentile territory. So Philip, uh, as well as Andrew, also a Greek name, uh, it's interesting that John has them be the disciples that are uh, approached, well, Philip being approached, and then Philip then uh, seeking some counsel on what to do uh, goes to Jesus. So the two of them approach Jesus. Now, many commentators suggest that these Greek pilgrims represent the spread of the word to the world, that it is now the time for the extension of Jesus' embrace, moving beyond the Jewish community to the Gentile community. And so as news of Jesus was spreading and as his popularity with the common folk increased, so did the plotting of those who were in power. They were seeking to arrest him. Now, Jesus, as these Greek pilgrims came to him, seeking to see him, to see him beyond just their curiosity of seeing what he has been doing, but to see him, to seek him. And Jesus responds, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, we're reminded earlier of John where uh, at the wedding when Mary, Jesus' mother, wants Jesus to turn the water into wine. He says, woman, my time has not yet come. But here we see the time has come. The time is at hand. In foreshadowing his death and resurrection, Jesus goes on to say, very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now he continues this paradox with saying, those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it in eternal life. Life and death, death and life, the natural cycle is all around us, dying in order to live, losing one's life to gain it. Now, in order for a seed to transform into a plant, it must let go of being a seed. Now, the science behind it, I don't, and Herb could correct me, the seed doesn't actually die, but it is, it is transformed to something new. It ceases to be a seed. It no longer is what it was. It is transformed as a seed germinates and breaks through the soil into the open air ready to absorb the light. Now, the seed contains an embryo, and the outer part gives itself up for the nourishment of the embryo. And in this way, it sacrifices itself in order to become that plant and furthermore to bear fruit. So Jesus goes on describing his own death. 
So Jesus as the seed, the seed that must descend into the ground and then be ascended up, to be lifted up from the earth. And as he says, from there to draw all people to himself, all people, and all, for Jesus means all, that all people were extended this embrace. So we then may ask, what does this mean for us? That that embrace is for us as well, that we share in that promise of eternal life, and furthermore, call to do likewise, to be seeds of our own. This metaphor applies to us as well. We must fall into the ground in a loving letting go. We must give up control, or more realistically, the perception of control that we hang on to. Letting go of our own way, letting go of the way of the world. Now our culture tells us that more is better and to cling on to what is ours. It affirms power and individual success are the ultimate goal. But Jesus shows us a different way. Following Jesus is first to last a matter of letting go, to let go, to die, to go into the earth so as to bear much fruit. To die to this world is to let go of our own will and replacing it with God's will, saying no longer my will be done, but thy will be done. So there are some other lessons that I want us to move to in, in thinking about seeds. Now, we share a common ground with other seeds as we grow into plants and bear fruit according to our design. So, as I was saying, Mary and I have saved seeds in the past. Mary is a labeler, and she would label the seeds, what type of seed it is, not only whether it's a tomato, but whether it's a cherry tomato or Roma tomato, whatever type of tomato it is. Um, but I, I don't do that. I save our seeds and we would have pieces of wax paper with, with dried out seeds and ready uh, to have them be planted. And I sort of like that surprise of seeing what, what comes up. Um, and what I, what I remind Mary is that the seed knows what it is. That, and that is the design. The seed holds within it. It holds its purpose, the potential of what it will be deep within it. In its DNA, it holds the plan for what it is to become. So another thing to think about when thinking about seeds is that seeds are not meant to abide alone. Like us, they thrive in the company of others. An isolated seed bears little fruit, but a field of grain produces a bountiful harvest. Now, also, along with this, I remember when I was first 
expanding our garden, moving beyond some of the vegetables to getting some fruit trees, I learned that you often need for many fruit trees more than just one. In order to produce fruit, you need more than just one type of, uh, of, of apple tree, and particularly um, of a different variety. So, uh, and I could be completely wrong on this, but that made me think about how diversity um, is important and how different varieties of people, like different varieties of, uh, of fruit, all produce a more plentiful harvest, that our diversity strengthens um, and produces a greater productivity. And as if that was not enough, not all of us like to only eat Granny Smith apples. We like to have some other types. So that variety is important. Now the last lesson from the seeds that I like to share is that seeds that are left in their packet don't grow. We must leave the safety that we once knew and get dirty. We must leave what is comfortable, leave what is known, and venture into the unknown, particularly if I'm planning it. I have no idea what it is. But the unknown and trusting that in time it will be revealed to us. And during this Lenten journey, we're reminded that the way of Jesus leads to death, leads us into the ground, but we are reminded that it does not end there, that the time will come when that sprout will spring and will begin to show its first leaves and then it would grow and bloom and produce its fruit in its time. And that is the hope of this season. It is the trust that we place into this time that though death is around us, new life soon comes. And during this time leading us to Easter, we can't just jump to Easter without going through that Good Friday first. And I'm reminded of a sermon given by Tony Campolo when he talks about it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. That we can't just jump to Sunday. That Friday is part of the journey. Being in that time, under the ground, being in the darkness, helps us to fully appreciate the light unto which we'll come to. So as we move closer to that time of Easter, let us not move there too quickly without spending our time in the dirt first. So let us do so knowing and trusting that there Christ is with us, guiding us and nourishing us along the way. And for that, we give thanks. Amen.